What's up, world? This is Awo Fafore. What's going on, good people? This is Awo Osheyun. Welcome back to the Who Made Y'all Priest podcast, where we talk about our spiritual journeys, our everyday life experiences, and the issues of the time from the perspective of two people who just happen to be priests. Fafore, what's going on, man? Man, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. I, I appreciate all the episodes that we have with guests, but when we have those episodes where it's just me and you, I feel like we... We going back to our roots, man. So I'm excited. I'm feeling good, man. How you doing? That's what's up, man. You know, I enjoy I enjoy these episodes that we do by ourselves as well. But I I hear that there's a congratulations uh, <laughs> that is in need. Uh, I heard you became uh, a minister. You became minister. I will uh, for it, man. Tell us a little bit about that, man. How that go? Yes, yes, man. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, so. I want to announce to the world that I am now an ordained minister. So uh, for here on out, I'm going to be known as the honorable minister, Awofafore <laughs> Fayyin. Put some respect on my name. Right. <laughs> right. And just just so y'all know, uh, I'm his I'm his elder in that sense also. <laughs> I've been an ordained minister since 2021. He's like two years late. You know, I'm 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 used to telling five four eight, hey man, you need to go get on this. And he like, all right, man, yeah, I'm gonna get on it. And then two years later, I'm telling him about it again. <laughs> <laughs> and he like, oh yeah, man, let me do that right quick. Let me do that right now. So he uh he a complete two years behind right now, man. So for all of y'all out there that want to get uh that's trying to tie the knot, jump the broom, uh put in your nuptials. Uh, yeah, man, y'all hit us up, man. We performing marriages now. Right. And not just that, you know what I'm saying? If, if you or um, a loved one meets their untimely demise and you want us to show up and, you know, give them their last rites and, you know, celebrate their la their life and send them off into, you know, the, uh, the other side in staff, man, just hit us up, man. We'll, we'll go ahead and do our thing. Oh, shame. That's hilarious. <laughs> You know, so just so y'all know, so starting next episode, that's literally gonna be my title. Uh, <laughs> the you gonna put that down? Absolutely, absolutely. All right. All right. Like if I knew how to actually like, after I said it, miraculously make it change at the bottom to say that, then I would have done it. But I think, you know, I would probably have to stop the video and start over. So that's a lie. So, right. but yeah, the honorable minister. I will fight for it for you. That sounds dope, though. It does. It yeah. does. You know, puts me in the mindset of Farrakhan. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're going to have to get you some followers now. And we're going to have to get you some bodyguards. We're going to have to get you some bodyguards. We're going to have to get you a, a whole bunch of followers so you have somebody yeah. to talk to, man. Yeah, I'm going I'm to need an armor bearer like they have in, in church. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, right. We need that. So if anybody is interested in being my armor bearer, um, please comment below on the video 
or actually, you know, send an email to WMYP at yahoo.com, you know, send your resume, you know, <laughs> if, if you are trained in any martial arts or anything like that, you know, send a little recording so we can see what your hands looking like, you know, because <laughs> I don't want an armor bear who get beat up. So right. you know, we got to know that you, you got it like that. So. So go ahead and send that to us. Yeah, man, send that in. So what we got? So what we got for the people today, man? Well, before we go into the episode for today, we actually have another treat. We have another Ori story. So um, check out if I Kimmy and the Ori story, and then we'll come back to discuss it at the end. Coming in on a Wednesday change to put something on your brain. What's up, y'all? It's Ifi Kimmy with I Love Garden Botanica. And we back. We're back. We back with a Ori story. We back with a Ori story. We back with a Ori story. Are y'all ready for this Ori story? So this Ori story is about the king and the juju tree. And it comes from southern Nigeria. So let's get right into it. Udo Udon was a famous king who lived in Etam, which was an inland town and doesn't have a river. The king and his wife used to wash at the spring behind their house. And King Udo had a daughter and he was very fond of her. He looked after her very carefully and she grew into a beautiful young woman. But for a while, the king had been absent from his home and he had not been to the spring in over two years. And when he went to this old place to wash, he found the juju tree had grown all over the spring and it was impossible for him to wash as he normally would. The king then called for 50 of his young men to bring their machetes and cut down the tree. The young man started cutting the tree, but it had no effect. Just as they made a cut in the tree, it closed back up. So after working all day, they found they made no progress. When they returned at night, they told the king that they had been unable to destroy the tree. Of course, this made the king very angry when he heard this. He went to the spring the following morning and bring, bringing his own machete. The juju tree saw this and the king had came with his own machete and started cutting at the tree. And the juju tree caused a splinter of wood to go in the king's eye. The, this caused the king so much pain. He threw down his machete and went back to his house. The pain of the splinter got worse and he couldn't eat or sleep for three days. The king then sent for his witch men and told them to cast to find out why he was in so much pain. And when they cast it, they determined that the reason he was in so much pain was because he tried to destroy the juju tree. They also told him that he must sacrifice seven baskets of flies, a white goat, a white chicken, a piece of cloth, 
and he must sacrifice all of this in order to satisfy the juju tree. The king gathered all of these offerings and the witch men tried many herbal lotions to heal his eye, but it only got worse. The king then dismissed the witches and requested a new group of witches. And when they arrived, they told the king that although they couldn't do anything to relieve his pain, they only knew one man that could cure him. So the king told them to send for this man at once. This man arrived the next day. The spirit man said to the king, before I do anything to your eye, what will you give me? King Udo replied, I will give you half of my town with the people in it, also seven cows and money. But the spirit man refused to accept the king's offer. The king was in so much pain. He said to the spirit man, name your price and I'll pay you. So the spirit man said, the only thing I am willing to accept as payment is your daughter. The king cried when he heard this and he told the man to go away as he would rather die than to give his daughter away. That night, the pain was much worse than before and some of his men pleaded with him to take this offer and give his daughter to the spirit man and told him when he got well, he can always have another daughter. But if he died, he would lose everything. The king then sent for the spirit man again. And he came back very quickly. And with great grief, the king gave his daughter to the spirit man. The spirit man then went into a bush and collected some leaves, which he soaked in water and beat up and smashed. The juice made from the bush was poured into the king's eye and told him when he washes his face in the morning, he will be able to see what was troubling him and causing him so much pain in his eye. The king tried to persuade the man to stay the night, but the man refused and departed the same night for the spirit land, taking the king's daughter with him. Before the sun rose, the king woke up, washed his face, and found the small splinter from the juju tree that had been troubling him so much. It dropped out of his eye, and the pain disappeared, and he was quite well again. And when the king came to his proper senses, he realized that he had just sacrificed his daughter for one of his eyes. So he ordered there should be a general mourning throughout the kingdom for three years. And for the first two years of mourning, the king's daughter was put in a fatty house by the spirit man and was getting fed every day but one day a skull who was in the house spoke to her and told her not to eat as they 
were fatting her up, not for marriage, but to eat her. She then started giving the skull all of her food and she decided to live on chalk. Towards the end of the third year, the spear man brought some of his friends to see the king's daughter and he told them that he would kill her the next day and they would have a good feast off of her. And when she woke up the next morning, the spear man brought her food as usual, but the skull who wanted to save her life heard what the spear man and his friend said. So he called her over and he told her what was going to happen later that day. So she handed the food to the skull and he said, when the spirit man goes into the woods with his friends to prepare for the feast, you must run back to your father. The skull then gave her some medicine, which would make her strong for the journey and also gave her direction to the road telling her that there were two roads, but when she came to the parting of the ways, she was to drop some of the medicine on the ground and the two roads would become one. He then told her to leave by the back door and go through the woods until she came to the end of town. She would then find the road. She met, and if she met people on this road, she was to pass them in silence. If she saluted them, they would know that she was a stranger in the spirit world and might kill her. She was also not to turn around if anyone called to her and to continue to go straight until she reached her father's kingdom. The daughter thanked the skull for his kind advice and set off on her journey. And when she reached the end of town, and found the road, she ran for three hours and arrived at the branch of the two roads. And she dropped the medicine as she was instructed and the two roads immediately became one. So she went straight on and never saluted anyone, turned back, although several people called to her. About this time, the spear man had returned back from the woods and he went into the house only to find the king's daughter missing. So he asked the skull, where was she? And he replied, she had gone out through the back door, but I don't know where she went after that. The spear man being who he is, guessed that she went back to her father. So he followed her as soon as he could. And he was shouting her name the entire time. And the girl heard his voice. She ran as fast as she could. And she finally reached her father's kingdom and told him to take a cow, a pig, a sheep, a goat, a dog, a chicken, and seven eggs and cut them into seven pieces as a sacrifice to the spirit man and leave them on the road so that he would not enter the kingdom. The king did this immediately when he heard his daughter say this and made the sacrifice. And 
when the spirit man saw this sacrifice on the road, he sat down at once and began to eat. When he satisfied his appetite, he packed up the remainder and returned to the spirit land, not troubling the king's daughter anymore. And when the king saw the danger was over, he beat his drum and declared the future when people died and went to the spirit land, they could not come to earth again as spirits to cure sick people. And that's the end of today's Ori story. All right, we back. Again, shout out to Ifa Kimmy on that Ori story. We appreciate it. Um, so, Oshayun, that Ori story. You know, the thing that I liked about the story the most, and it's something that you and I talk about a lot, it's about sacrifice. So in the story, it talked about there were two sacrifices that were made. Obviously, the initial one um, that came about in the sacrifice from the standpoint of having to give up his daughter. Mm -hmm. And then the other one at the end in regards to the sacrifice or the offering uh, at the end so that um, the, the the spiritual man or whatever, I can't remember what they call him, um, wouldn't cause any harm. Which, while I'm listening to that part, I'm thinking like, man, he a, a whole king. He didn't want to have his army out there. But, you know, that wouldn't be the purpose of the story. Right. So anyway, um, after every story, every pot to key, part of that is about sacrifice, right? It's always a sacrifice that needs to be made. And that could be from the standpoint of the, the offering or the ebo, the animal sacrifice, or a literal sacrifice of something that you have to change, something that you have to do or stop doing. The thing about the sacrifice of him having to give up his daughter in order for him to be healed from the pain in his eye, like that's a big deal, right? Like that's a huge sacrifice to have to make. Usually when you're in your spaces where you're going through things, right, you're going through issues, the sacrifice that you're going to have to make is going to be big. It's not going to be something that you're going to jump to and be like, oh, yeah, I can do that easy. It's going to be an actual sacrifice. It's going to be something that you have to give up that you don't want to give up. It's going to be something that you have to do that you might not necessarily feel like you want to do. But the thing that is standing between us and abundance, joy, prosperity, good health, all the good things is making that sacrifice, right? So either you can make the sacrifice or not. That's your choice. But understand, by not making the sacrifice, you won't actually receive the blessing that you want to receive or the blessings that are waiting for you, the blessings that are yours on the other side of that sacrifice. So Shayun, what, what did you think about the story? I kind of came at it from a different angle. I think uh, I saw the king as weak. Um, I saw a, a, person's, a person's willingness to sacrifice their own daughter to avoid uh, being uncomfortable or to avoid pain. Uh, I feel like that was a sacrifice that I would not have made. If I'm remembering right, I think there was um, an offering that he was supposed to make first before it got to uh, him having to sacrifice his, uh, his daughter. 
<clears throat> but that was that was also this part of him trying to be destructive of nature uh, and mm -hmm. him eventually get into the part where. So that's that's what I took from it is uh, him being destructive of nature and what or him going against the wisdom of nature and suffering mm -hmm. uh, pain as a result. And then him being willing to sacrifice his own daughter to give up his own daughter so that he could avoid the consequences of his own actions. So I saw the I saw the king as uh as weak, but I saw the king as a representative of uh human nature as we see it today, as uh wanting to be able to go against the wisdom of nature and not suffer the consequences of it, or when we suffer the consequences of it being willing to sacrifice our uh, our fellow people to be able to make an attempt to, to avoid that. So that's 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 kind of what I got out of the uh, out of the story. It was a good story nevertheless as our Luo tells us all of these different myths and stories always have more than one meaning, more mm -hmm. than two meanings. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I got. That's what I got from it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, you mentioned the wisdom of nature that sound like a good idea for another episode in the future. Cause man, we can go in on that. So I can see your I can see your wheels turning in your mind. Like, <laughs> like, man, we can keep talking about that, man. But yeah, man. Yeah, yeah I'm like, ooh, we can go down that rabbit hole. But I'm like, man, I think we need a whole episode to talk right. about that. Right, you know? right. So, so let's hop into today's episode. So, uh, what we got going on for today? So I think uh, we wanted to talk to the people about dogma and are we really spiritual? Are mm -hmm. we really spiritual? And is the way that we use the term dogma uh, from its original sense or is it something that we've come up with to kind of uh, denigrate people who uh, seek to follow a different path? So usually or what we've been taught as priests uh, when we come across words like this is to get into the the etymology of the term, get into understanding the truth of the actual word. So let's do that with the term dogma. So originally dogma came into the English language in the 1600s and it meant simply a philosophical tenet. That's, that's the only thing it meant. Dogma meant a philosophical tenet. And it came from a Greek word that meant uh, something that someone thinks is true. That's all it meant. So in the original sense, dogma meant a philosophical tenet or concept that someone thought was true. Um, you and I both come from the lodge and we both, I don't know if you finished it. I know I didn't. Uh, we both started to read Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike uh, mm -hmm. in the lodge. And even in that sense, the term dogma meant the philosophical tenets or the philosophical teachings and morals of uh Christianity. So now the question is, is does Ifa have dogma? Well, from the original definition of the term, of course it does, because we have to think about concepts like rebirth or reincarnation, metempsychosis, whatever you want to call it. That's something that we have to believe is true um, and call it a philosophical concept or a philosophical tenet. But the way we use the term dogma today, at least in Ifa, and in, in our colloquial speech, we use the term dogma or dogmatic 
when we want to denigrate someone for having the discipline to follow a specific road. And when other people don't want to follow that, they say you're being dogmatic about it. Um, I had told you not long ago that I had started to reread uh, Old Dewey Finest Ethical Teachings uh, from uh, Maulana Karenga. And I think he does a great job of showing that there are certain philosophical tenets that apply to us all, even those that are not in our Odu, because uh, for some reason we've come to the belief that the only thing that apply, the only things that apply to you, are the things that are in your Odu. And I like, I vehemently disagree with that because there has to be some ethical teachings, there has to be some some morals outside of your Odu that you must follow. Because if there was not, there would be no concepts like. Iwapele or Iwarere, there will be no concept of the true hum human being that Ifa calls the Omoluabi. There will be no concepts like that if there were no morals to follow. What is a good person? What is good character? What is gentle character? Ifa describes those things to us and not necessarily in our individual uh, Odus. There's also the concept of the good position. How do we get to the good position without following morals, without following ethics? I don't think we can get uh, to that point. So again, dogma in its original sense simply meant a philosophical tenet that someone believes is true. So what do you think about dogma? Or uh, what is what are your thoughts about dogma or being dogmatic? You know, the thing that comes to my mind anytime I hear the term dogma or dogmatic I go back to college and this religion class that I took and there was a professor that I think he taught the class very well. And the reason why I say he taught the class very well because it was almost impossible to understand what his own beliefs were. Like you couldn't tell if he was a Christian or a Buddhist mother, whatever. You couldn't tell based upon the way that he, he taught it. It's like he is presenting the information as presented or as it is without having any input on um, its validity, right? So I love it. But one of the things he talked about was dogma or being dogmatic. And he said dogma was something that you believed or dogma was believing in something based upon tradition and not upon actual research and study from a personal standpoint. So my grandmother was a Christian, my mother was a Christian, and now I'm a Christian. My great grandmother was an Ifa practitioner and then it followed down the line. All my teaching was just, or all my knowledge was what I was told. I haven't researched anything. I haven't studied anything. You just, it's like blind faith. Mm. So when I got to Ifa and I saw how, I'm gonna say logical Ifa was, that's what really attracted me, right? To Ifa that I've never been called dogmatic more times in my life than being inside of 
the tradition by EFI practitioners. Like if I had a dollar for every time that I was called dogmatic for my plant-based lifestyle, I'd be rich. Now, the thing is, is that nobody else in my family that I knew, I didn't even know what veganism was right up until, you know, uh, 34 years old. A 34 friend of mine, maybe 33, somewhere around there, started talking about that. I didn't grow up like that. I didn't grow up eating nothing but fruits and vegetables and beans and things of that nature. But when I got the information, I studied it for myself and it was intriguing enough for me to actually apply. Now, if all things were equal, I would prefer a cheeseburger over chickpeas. If all things were equal, I would prefer french fries over kale. But based upon the information I received, and then when I tried it out, and then as I go to a, a doctor, holistic doctor side by side and working with them for over three years, I'm like, yeah, all the information points to this is, this is the way to be. You know, my mom coming off of her medications, other stories that I know from people personally, not things that I saw on YouTube or, or things that I Googled, but from people that I knew personally changing, they were seeing in their life. I'm like, yo, yeah, this is, this is legit. So in, what I come to realize in my 10 years of being plant-based or vegan, I know more about that diet than people who have been eating however they've been eating for the past 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Because that's not something that we study. We just, it was passed down to us and we just went with that, you know. And I have a problem for the lack of a better word, right? I mean, I'm, I'm for everybody doing whatever they want to. So maybe a problem is a little bit uh, hyperbolic. I'll say it like this. I think everyone should question everything that they do to truly gain an understanding. Because if I ask you why you eat the way you do, and your answer, your answer is because my ancestors did, then you lost all validity with me. Because I can list off without even knowing your ancestors specifically, just understanding what race you are, what part of the country you lived in. I can list a whole gang of things that your ancestors did that you wouldn't do at all. And I can list a whole bunch of things that your ancestors did that you refused to do. So... Like you said, man, when people say dogma, really the, the D word that they're looking for is discipline. But they, their ego won't allow them to say, man, you have the discipline to eat the way you eat. Mm -hmm. You have the discipline to, you know, work as hard as you work. Or you have the discipline to study, you know, as much as you study. Whatever that thing that somebody is doing that you want to call them dogmatic for, I think the word that you're really looking for is discipline. Check out the shirt. Stated. Check out the shirt, man. What does that say? You can see it? It says dogmatic, but I can't read the part after the, the word's too low. So, so let me tell you what it says. 
It says, what you call me for doing what you should, but don't have the discipline to do so. I say. So, uh, and this shirt was made uh, courtesy of my wife. Y'all check out Earth and Water Clothing Designs. Y'all check out. But yeah, this is this is this is what you and I have talked about on several occasions about this. Uh, like you call it the D word, this this dogma, this mm -hmm. dogmatic word. And uh, you're exactly right. That's what it is. Is is discipline? It's discipline, but. If you you are the sign that's calling people out for going against the wisdom of nature and people don't want to be called out like that, because if you stick out like that and if you get the teaching that uh, veganism or the plant based lifestyle is the wisdom of nature and how can you claim to practice Ifa and not walk in the wisdom of nature is a contradiction then those types of words have to be used. They have to be used. It's the, it's the, it's the same way that um, Christian missionaries um, talk to Africans or about Africans, about the things that they were doing, calling it uh, fetishism, uh, calling it um, animism, calling it all of these different things, to uh, calling it devil worship calling it all these different things to uh, denigrate the people that were practicing the things that they wanted to practice. So yeah, I definitely agree agree with the um, that definition of dogma. So the way that you defined dogma, is that what you think dogma is? So that's a philosophical question. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say dogma is what the etymology says it is hmm. or any word for that matter. But then we get to using it however we want to. And then that then becomes the definition because definitions change over time. The etymology is what it is. Right. Right. The definition can change based upon how we use it. You know, if we all decide to start calling dogma a style of dress, 10 years down the line, that's what the definition goes in the, in the dictionary. Um, what, I'm, what I'm saying when we talk about the word dogma is the way people are using and, and I just want to address the way people are using it, where it's, it's being used as kind of almost like an ignorant, uh, blind faith, you know, uh, way of doing things, a way of, of, of thinking with no flexibility. Mm -hmm. That's right. the main thing. That's the main thing. The no flexibility when right. you are when you are strict and disciplined and 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 what you're doing. That's what the way that dogmatic is being used now is is that part is the is the no flexibility part that people are right. referring to. Right. But let's stick with the whole me being plant based. Here's the funny part: people that ate ribs with me never called me dogmatic. They always call me discipline, 
because they remember when I was eating ribs. You know what I'm saying? They was with me at McDonald's. You know what I'm saying? The people or certain people only in the spiritual community, mind you, who met me after that with me being plant-based, now is dogmatic because they don't see the change. They didn't see how I went from here to there. They just see where I am now, right? But it's, it's I almost don't want to say that, but I'm going to say it. It's usually never the healthy people who call me dogmatic, right? It's people who visually I can look at and say, ooh, your liver is not functioning like it's supposed to be functioning. Like, ooh, them kidneys is, you know what I'm saying? So forth and so on, right? It's just like rich people who see somebody who's trying to get rich, who is disciplined on their path or their pursuit to that level of achievement, those rich people don't call those people dogmatic. The people who will call you dogmatic is the people who, ain't, who, don't, who don't have the same focus as you, who want you to go to the club, who want you to play video games, who want you to come hang out and you like, nah, I'm over here, I'm doing this. Right. Um, those are the people who usually have those issues. People who are already there, like I feel you. Right. Right. So here's my question now. See, and this is kind of going. This is this is still in keeping with what we're talking about, but this is something that you you and I have talked about also mm-hmm. personally. Is the term that would be used in that case when you are not strictly disciplined and you start to do other things is moderation. And we find in the Odui-Fa what moderation is. See, this was, this was one of the problems that I started to have with Christians, not with Christianity, but with Christians. Uh, once I started to come out of Christianity is that we want to define words the way that we want to. Mm-hmm. Why not allow the system that we claim to believe in, that we claim to follow, to define these words for us? Because the way we define moderation is the exact opposite of the way that moderation is defined in the old do we follow? Absolutely. And, and see, and this is gonna go all the way back to abortion and all the, all of these different things that uh we don't that for some reason we don't see as uh, immoral or an abomination because it's somehow connected to Christianity in some type of way. Um, but not allowing the actual system to define the words inside the system itself, we are no we are no better than Christians, man. This picking and choosing of what we're going to follow and what we're not going to follow is no better than Christianity is no better than Christianity. Even Jesus, when Jesus summed up all of the uh, Mosaic laws and the two laws, uh, love thy neighbor and what's the other one? Uh, do unto others as you have them do unto you. Orumila um, seemed to um, summarize all of the ethics and the moral teachings in the Odui Fa in Erosu Iwari when he talks about 
the good position. Mm -hmm. It's a summary. It's a it's a summary. It's a summation. It's not him making an attempt to tell you that this is all you have to do. No, this is the foundation of it, which is the same thing that Jesus was talking about, that these two law upon these two laws, the entire law is built upon. So what did, what did, what was what do you think about that, about the term moderation when it comes to uh, going against dogma? So, you know, here's the thing, right, about what I think in moderation. So my Odu speaks a lot about moderation and in trying to understand what moderation is. A lot of people would say moderation was um, avoiding excess, right? So my thing is, or excessiveness. Well, if we don't know where we're supposed to be, how do we know what is excessive? Like, so first you got to understand that, right? So people will say to me, again, I'm going to stick with my diet. And I'm going to stick with that for a couple of reasons. My, my natal chart speaks a lot about this. I'm a Virgo son. I have a Virgo still in right? Um, I have Virgo in the 10th house. So there's a lot of things that's associated with where I am and, and, and me really promoting health and things of health. Now, I talk about more than just the diet aspect of it, but until we get that part, then there's not, I can't go further than that, right? So I also don't use deodorant. I use key lime or a salt stick. You know what I'm saying? But if you eat ribs and you use a salt stick, you're going to be musty. So I can't tell you to use that. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't use regular lotions. You know what I'm saying? I ain't using jergens and things of that nature, right? Putting things on the skin. Because um, your skin is your largest organ. I don't use Crest. And Crest is actually the only toothpaste that I can even remember at this point. But I don't use those types of toothpaste, right? I use toothpaste with all natural ingredients. But again, if you're just going to eat ribs, I can't even get into you to talking about all those things. Uh, I use Shungite crystals on my, my cell phone and on my iPad to absorb the EMF radiation. The plants in my house are based upon EMF radiation and absorbing that and purifying the air. So they even have, you know, a purpose. I, I sunbathe. It's all these different things that I do that's associated with health because when I came here, I decided that's what I wanted to focus on. It makes sense in the natural sense because when I'm at uh, a family reunion on my father's side, I'm looking around, I don't see hardly any 70-year-olds, right? let alone 80, 90, on up. My grandfather came to me through a medium saying, hey, I never ate like you did, but you know what? Keep up a good work. So this is why this is my thing, right? Now, for the majority of my life, I ate as bad as anybody who I've ever met, right? I never was a smoker, never was a drinker. But drug, food was my drug. I, I say it all the time. 
McDonald's was my thing. You know what I'm saying? Fast food in general, but specifically McDonald's. You know, that all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickle, onion on a regular bun, though. I ain't really do the Big Macs after the McDoubles came out, right? I'm like, let me get that extra patty without the bread. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? But I digress. <laughs> so moderation, right? The definition of moderation comes through the holy old do a Torah Erete in the sacred Ifa Oracle, which was written by my Bagba, which is our Aluo's Aluo. Gives you the definition of moderation. Now, like Oshayun said, though, this doesn't matter to people who have the belief that if that ain't your old do, it don't matter, which I think is not the correct way to look at it. But there where we have the problem because we can't have a discussion apples to apples. It's just like, nah, that, that's not my old do. Just like if I'm a Muslim and you're a Christian, we can't really have that conversation because we we talking out this different book. So let me tell you what the Odu Atura Irete says Come on with about you. moderation. It says, Atura Irete, brace up yourself again. If you are born, try to bring forth yourself again. Otor Irete, Amuwan, Amuwan. He who knows moderation will never fall into disgrace. I say, who knows moderation? Arumala says, he who is working. I say, who knows moderation? Arumala says, he who will not squander his money. I say, who knows moderation? Arumala says, he who will not steal. I say, who knows moderation? Arumala says, he who does not owe debts. I say, who knows moderation? Arumala says, one who never drinks alcohol. Let me stop there. Remember when I said you don't know what excessive is? If you know you don't have a, a basic understanding of what we're supposed to do and where we're supposed to be, alcohol is one of the biggest poisons known to man. I don't know how you consume a poison in moderation, but I digress. One who never drinks alcohol. One who never breaks an oath with friends. Otor Irete, one who wakes up very early in the morning and meditates within himself because of activities. Among the thorns and thistles, the young palm frond will shoot out. Jaworo will never use up all his money. Jokoje will never be adopted. If Isan owes a great deal of money, he will pay the debt. Amuwan is the Amiso, one who has a good sense of what is right. Then it goes on to talk about what the sacrifice is. That's what moderation means. There's some never in moderation. There's some always in the definition of moderation. People use the word moderation like, if I drink a gallon of gin, and I drink a gallon of water, that's moderation. <laughs> it's the middle path. <laughs> it's the middle path. You know what I'm saying? That's how people use the term moderation. I disagree with that. 
the holy old dude disagrees with that. And I think for me, that's enough. Like, um, as we talked about when we did our episode on abortion and when we talked about us not allowing the system that we claim to follow to guide our behavior. We are not allowing Ifa to guide our behavior. We have um, lost discipline. We've lost the discipline that our ancestors had. We've lost mm -hmm. the fortitude that our ancestors had and the courage uh, that our ancestors had. The Odu Ifa is explicit in what moderation is. The Odu Ifa is explicit on what it takes to have good character, what it takes to attain a good position, uh, what it takes to become this omoluabe or this uh, this true human being. The Oduifi is explicit about these things. So how we get to the point of believing that that what you just read only applies to the person that has that Odu is beyond me. Uh, Baba Karanga, uh, who wrote the Odui Fire, his ethical teachings. And I got it right here just in case y'all want to know what it is. But he did a great job of explaining that there's this underlying uh, philosophy inside of the Odui Fire, that there's this underlying um, ethical manuscript within the Odui Fire that is for us all. That's for all of us who claim to follow the uh, the spiritual system of Oumila, there's an ethical practice inside of it. And those ethical teachings are not just in your Odu. So then that begs the question because you mentioned something about um, spirituality. And so are we really spiritual? Are we really following a spiritual tradition? Or are we... Mm. Um, attaching ourselves to something African as a, a display of resistance. Mm -hmm. Is that is that something that we're doing? It, because if that's what we're doing, it, 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 it serves no purpose because you are just a Christian by another name. You mm. are a Christian by another name. If that's the only reason that we're doing it is to, is to attach ourselves to, or to be able to perform this, this, this magic that we've seen performed, there's a there's a um, there's a fakeness to that to me. If that's the only reason that we're doing it, so are we are we spiritual? That's that's my question to you, Five Four. Are are we are we truly spiritual? So one thing I want to say before I get into that, there was something I came across, and um, I was reading, and it said that. Practicing the tradition of your ancestors is an act of rebellion, mm -hmm. right? So I'm good with that. I saw that. But I'm saying but, the only reason, the only reason. Right, right, right. I'm about to get to that. But my thing is that, though. If that's what it is, then, then just say that's what it is. Cool. No harm, no foul, right? Cool. Just, just whatever it's going to be, stand on that. Are we spiritual? Are we truly spiritual? Absolutely not. And this is why I say that. 
Uh, in the Bible, um, I think it's Luke, if I'm not uh, mistaken. It talks about you know. Huh? You're a biblical scholar. You know, hey, hey, you know, I, 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 say, I think it's in Luke. I think it's in Luke. You know what I'm saying? Hey, like the young people say, man, I'm bringing receipts today. We bringing receipts today. So right. if you're going to argue, argue with somebody. No. Right. But um, it says that you know a tree by its own fruit. So when I look at the religious community and I look at the spiritual community, the fruit looks the same. Mm. The fruit tastes the same. So to me, that must mean it's the same fruit. Now, I remember, and you will remember this because you was there. Years ago, we at the compound, right? This was before I was Awo Fafore and you was Awo Oshayun. We having a conversation. And it's, it's just the fellas, right? We over there having a conversation. It's a lot going on. It's a lot of people at the compound, but you know, a couple of the fellas we broke off and we having a conversation. And I say, when you look at us, and I specifically said Christians, and I always use Christians because that's my experience. I didn't grow up, I grew up knowing one Muslim. I met my second Muslim when I was 18. You know what I'm saying? So that's just, I don't talk about things that aren't in my, my frame of reference. So I said that if you look at us and you look at the Christians, there's no difference. Like we look exactly the same. And there was somebody in particular that was, a, that was in the conversation that said, I disagree wholeheartedly. Couple of months ago, I'm chopping it up with my boy. And he said, hey, do you remember that conversation we had when you said that you can't tell the difference between us and Christians? And I'm like, yeah. He was like, when you said that, I disagreed with you. He said, man, but that's, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And you were 100% right. What do I mean there's no difference between us and Christians? Well, I think like, like Oshayun was saying, we got to a point where the teachings of Christianity just wasn't getting, getting it anymore. And I don't really think it's the true teachings of Christianity. It was just more the, the church culture and was being taught in the church. I don't, I don't have any qualms with the Bible at all, right? But the Bible isn't taught, right? There's a culture that's taught. So what happened was we got fed up for whatever reason that we got fed up. And then we left and we found Ephi. And most of us probably got wild by divination. Because if you go back and you look, listen to, or if you've watched, you know, all of the majority of our episodes, when we talk about people and their spiritual journey, divination seems to be always that point that changes things. Mm -hmm. Divination is, is that thing that hooks us in and pulls us in, right? So we fell in love with divination. We like, oh, this Arisha thing is kind of cool. I'm feeling this concept. Oh, this whole thing about, you know, it's all about me. 
you know, um, spiritual journey is a solo thing. And it's all about me and my healing is that and the other. We got pulled in to that. And we jumped on the whole Ifa or voodoo or whatever um, spiritual system bandwagon. And then we went right into initiating ceremonies and initiations. And we said to hell with building a culture. So now we sit here all these years later and we have divination, some things on the fringes like, you know, Oshun is beauty and, you know, Shango is masculinity, that type of thing. And then we have church culture because we didn't have a culture. So we just brought in what we knew from the church because a lot of us came from the church. That's why we're the same. So those old women that's always judging, that's always critical, we got them in E5. We got them in E5. A lot of them are priests. But we got them in E5. That, that, that church gossip that go on, yeah, yeah, I know it's keep your eyes on your own mat. And we talk about not gossiping, but we got that by the pound in E5. You know, uh, nobody can judge me but God in, in the church. We brought that with us, you know, because it talks about not being judgmental. We threw that out the door. We judgmental as hell. The pastor, the deacon, they don't. Don't think they should stay. We got that in E5. The, the pastor that comes that's supposed to be the shepherd of the people came right onto E5. And we became priests and we became chiefs. And instead of being on the same level as the people, because the people are who we are here to serve. We have exalted ourselves above the people. You know, so, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. It's the same dogma. It's the same lack of study. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what makes African spirituality attractive or, or more attractive than Christianity. Because it's just this belief that African spirituality, it's a buffet. You can do whatever the hell you want to do. Just pick a little bit of that. You could pick a little bit of this. You know, Christianity comes across as a little too strict. African spirituality, it ain't no rules. It, 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 it's feed the Orisha sometimes, and, and even less than the Orishas, I can feed the ancestors, Airy Blue Moon. And I'm good. I'm going to hit up a Bimbe. I'm going to go to all of them. I'm good. Like, it's whatever I want. And I don't know how that, how that got promoted and how that came up. How that, but that is how we operate in spirituality. And the moment you sell somebody, hey, nah, we, we supposed to be, oh, uh, that D word come back again. Oh, now nah, you being too dogmatic. You being too rigid. 
you know, everything in moderation. But then when you start being hyperbolic, like, can you smoke crack in moderation? <laughs> oh, see, now you just going way out the window. Hey, everything is everything. Go ahead, brother. What you got? <laughs> Man, so uh, just to answer the question, I would, I would agree with you and say no. Usually when I think about words like spirituality, <clears throat> before even going into the etymology of those words, I like to juxtapose that word to something that we are already familiar with, like religion. So when I was in prison, I had a lot of time to sit still and read. And for the life of me, before we started this episode, I was trying to think of the book that I was reading. And for the life of me, I can't think of the book uh, that I was reading. But anyway, in the book, he was talking about the concept of nothingness in the beginning. Talking about nothingness. And this is the way he explained nothingness is why I like to juxtapose words first is the way that he talked about the concept of nothingness. He basically said that nothingness doesn't mean empty. Mm. That, that nothing means no thing. And to have a thing, to be able to be discriminatory and say that that's a thing, it has to be differentiated from something else first. So in the beginning, when only the primal energy that we call God or that we call the source existed, nothing existed. No thing existed because there was nothing to, di to differentiate from. There was only one homogenous uh, thing that existed but it wasn't empty. It wasn't empty. So I like to juxtapose uh, spirituality against religion. Now, I think most of us know that um, etymologically, the term religion means to bind back or to bind again or to rebind. And that's alluding to the fact that we've been separated from something, that we've been separated from something and that we have to be rebound back to it. And because religion is about God or it's supposed to be about God, what we've separated from or become separated from is God. We talk about the story in the book of Genesis where you have the great fall of man. And since then, we have been practicing religions to make an attempt to rebind ourselves back to God. Spirituality kinds of it comes at it from another from another angle. And it basically says that you have never been separate from God. You can never be separate from God. It's about remembering that we are not separate from God. And that involves an uh, introspection. That involves going within. That involves meditation and prayer and divination and ritual. It involves all of those different things. So spirituality, are we spiritual? No, because we still, in our actions at least, we still see ourselves as separate from God, as separate from nature, and that there are things that we have to do to rebind ourselves back to God. Or you are on the opposite end of that spectrum and you feel that since you can't be separate from God, that there is nothing that you have to do to stay connected to God, that there's nothing that you have to do. Um the loss of ethics and the loss of morals in Ifa 
I don't know where that came from. And I'm relatively new. We are relatively new to the tradition, but I'm not new to uh, metaphysics and the esoteric and whatever else you want to call it. I'm not, I'm not new to that, uh, or at least putting my hand at making an attempt to study those type mm -hmm. of things. I'm not, I'm not new to that. There is def there are definitely morals and ethics that we must follow in Ifa to be spiritual. There are some things that we have to do. There are some things that we have to do. Now we can get into, uh, you know, you'll hear a lot of people talk about spirit means the bread spirit has always meant bread and you get into the etymology of uh spirit or spiritual and you can see the uh the root words of respiration and things like that in spiritual you can see the term ritual in spiritual so i guess etymologically you could come to the conclusion that spiritual means the ritual of the bread or ritual involving the breath. And I think this is again where kind of knowing the language of Ifa is beneficial because we have this concept in Ifa called Emmy. And we say that that's the breath. And it is. We say that's the breath. And it is. But spirituality doesn't refer to the breath in at least as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't apply to the breath. It applies to what I would call the breather or what I've seen as the breather. What I mean by that is the breath in me is the physical manifestation of something that is inside of you, which Ifa calls Ami. And this is the breath of life that Oladimare gave to you before your incarnation here. That part is the spirit, not the breath. This breath is the manifestation. That part is, that lets us know that what Oladumari gave to you is still there. Right. So that's, and that's why spirit. in certain things like Hinduism and Buddhism, where I can, under, they say that until that happens, you're not alive. So if they were pro-abortion, I can receive that because they don't look at you as an actual living thing until you take that first breath. So let's talk about that then. Let's talk about that. And because I disagree with that, right? And the reason that we've come to that conclusion is because we think about the physical breath. That's why. Because we think about the physical breath. But the Odui 5 says that Olodumare gives you your breath of life while still in the spirit realm. That's when you become a living being is still in the spirit realm. You become a living being when Oladumare gives you the breath of life. You don't need to breathe in the spirit realm. You don't need lungs in the spirit realm. So obviously there is something else that the Odui 5 is trying to get us to understand that this breath of life is this, this spark that animates the body. It's a spark that animates the body and prepares it for its physical journey here. The breath, our first breath is the physical manifestation of that which Oladumari gave you is still there, that it's present, that it's working, that it's animating. That's, so to say that something is alive once it takes its first breath, 
could make you pro-abortion. That could make you pro-abortion. Pro but, but I preface it by if that is the foundation of your spiritual belief, I'm saying right. I could accept it. I didn't right. say whether I agree with it or not right, because right, right. that's not my spiritual system. But I'm saying if that's your spiritual system, okay, cool. I don't have... Now, I don't know how your spiritual system or other things or your foundation is other things and you have the argument. But I'm saying in that instance, I understand the argument. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I think I think we tried, we made an attempt to uh, help people understand that what we think, that we're not trying to palm it off on you, that this is just what I think. I personally I mean, if you had 75 abortions, I wouldn't look at you any different. What what I'm saying is that if we claim to believe in a spiritual system that seems to be anti-abortion, how can you claim to practice that and at the same time say you're pro-abortion? That's 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 my thing. Is the is the wishy-washy? Is the like Jesus said? Uh, if you are it's better to be on one side or the other. It's better to be good or evil than to be lukewarm. Pick a side. Mm. Pick a and, side. And, and that's my thing. And again, we're not judging right. for you to be on that side because I'm a priest. And I'm, I'm lukewarm on a couple of things. <laughs> Let me, I'm a, listen, I'm going to shoot it to you straight. Right. <laughs> I'm going to shoot it to you straight. A couple of things I'm lukewarm on, right? But it's it's lukewarm from the standpoint of, and I'm a, and, and I'm not gonna ever lie. I'm gonna keep it 100. I know this is what Ephi says, and I stand on what Ephi said just today <laughs> in the physical, right? <laughs> I will fight four rays with that 1,000%. Jimmy just not doing that today. Right, right. Not today, huh? Not today. Right, and I can respect that. Right. Jimmy yeah. got some things that he's still working on in a couple of areas where I'm like, I know that's what the case is, but today I can't physically move myself in that space. But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to lie and, and I'm not going to tell you that's cool. I'm not. Hmm. Somebody might see me, um, you know, I gave that up for good in 2023. Last year, I said it many times. I said it again. I had my worst year vegan veg veganism last year. I didn't eat meat or dairy, anything like that. But I had me some more beyond burgers and fries that I should have had. Hmm. Now, I never tell people, oh, man, it's cool if you do it every now and again. Because, no, that ain't the truth. Poison is poison is poison. Right. No amount of poison is cool. <laughs> right? Right, right? I didn't game myself like, hey, because I can fast, because I go through these detoxes, because I got a cabinet this big with herbs, I'm going to be all right. right. Now, I know in real life, not, not necessarily, but it's a risk that I've decided that I can take. Now, I know that's a little bit of bullshit wrapped up in there too. <laughs> right? Right, right. But I'm going to keep it above though. Yeah. Right? I'm not going to ever do something just because I'm just completely ignoring the information. That ain't me. 
I'm not married to no thing, no idea, no ideology, none of that. As soon as I get some information, I'm a shift. If somebody told me today, like, man, I feel like in 10 years, you ain't going to practice E5. You're going to practice this. I'm not going to argue with that person. My whole life been changed. They could be on to something, right? Mm -hmm. If I get some more information and say, yo, this ain't, you know, it's some better thing. You need to move over here. I'm out. You know what I'm saying? But the thing about it is we got to quit lying to ourselves. And to other people. That part. <laughs> and to other people to feed to feed our own lie to feed our own justification to mm. going against the grain huh yeah mm. yeah so you got the old the dude like um Ogunda Bere and Agbe Ogunda for instance that talks about telling these lies because you got to keep telling more lies like Oshane said to keep feeding it and then you won't get to a point where you would have forgot what the hell the truth is. <laughs> right. And now the lie is the truth, huh? Right. Yeah, it got to be the truth because nothing else exists. You can't remember anything else. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So my whole thing is just allowing the system to guide the way that we behave. That's what E5 is supposed to be, right? We say that it's not, it's not a religion. It's a way of seeing the world. It's mm -hmm. a way of seeing the world and it's a way of teaching us how to be in the world if we are going to see the world through this lens. If we're going to look at the world through the lens of Ifa, Ifa tells us that there's a specific way that we should behave. Not just right. in your Odu, not just in your Odu, but that there's an underlying ethical manuscript within the Odu Ifa that right. pertains to us all. This is how you be, uh, you attain good character. What right. is good character? What is gentle character? What is uh, an omoluabi? What is at the end of the Odu that you read? It says something about doing things right. What is what does that mean? What does right look like from the perspective of Ifa? Not from a judgmental standpoint, but from the standpoint of E5, what does right look like? What does right mean? Right. You know what another thing, too, that, that gets me is our use of the word judgmental. Mm. Like, how are you in a position to help your brother if every time you say left and the other person says right, they being judgmental? Right. Mm. You know, I thank God every day. Well, maybe not every day. <laughs> A lot of days. I thank my Ori, my ancestors, and, and all the benevolent forces for blessing me with my brother here. Because when I tell you he don't let me color outside the lines a little bit. He's going to be like, whoa, hey, hey, hold on. And sometimes when he did see, y'all see Oshayun on the screen. And then there's people who have seen him out and about, right? You get him. You getting owl Oshayun, right? You're getting the rough 
ashlar that has the edges been smooth and you you see the perfect ashlar right i know sam right <laughs> i know sam that went to prison i know i know why sam went to prison i know where sam from right so he don't be like hey my brother i just want to let you know that first and foremost that i love you and i hope that you take these words that I give you, in the spirit in which I'm giving, no, it's man. What the <laughs> hell you mean? Right? No, man, you tripping? Cause you got to be. It be that, right? It be that. And I am so grateful for those exchanges because even if and when in them exchanges I'm right, I still learn some. I still learn that. I might be right in this instance, but I, there, there's some some area for improvement, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. And then I've learned I've been completely, you know what I'm saying, out of line. So yeah, I gotta tweak that all the way through. I'm grateful for having I couldn't, I couldn't imagine walking through this space without him and a and, and just a few other people who gonna give me that. I, you know, listen. I ain't about to do all the sweet talking because you already know the vibes, but look, this is what it is. But you got people out there that you can't, nobody can say anything to them and nobody does say anything to them because you're going to hide behind the whole thing of being judgmental. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, your ass is as judgmental as they come. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the problem. I think what's the problem is you actually see yourself mm -hmm. because you know how you are. The projection. So, Exactly, you project and see. Thank you for giving me them, them ACT words. <laughs> you projecting, right? So check yourself, man. Um, we got to come off of that, man, because there's no growth and evolution. If we are to believe that a lot of the experiences that we are having with people on this earthly realm are people that we had a relationship with in heaven, then they definitely came here to check you. Because mm -hmm. if not, if they're not pushing you, then what they here for? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. And uh I think I think the same thing about you. Um, because I gotta be able to argue with you. I have mm -hmm. to, even if for no other reason than to understand why you think the way you think, I have to be able to argue with you. And I only use the word argue because that's the term that other people use. I remember once uh, you and I was having a conversation. I can't remember if it was in person or if it was over a chat that we were having or whatever. And, and somebody said, uh, they basically said that you and I were arguing with each other. Now, from our perspective, we, we weren't arguing with each other. And, and more than likely, in the end, we agreed with one another. And we mm -hmm. knew we agreed with one another, but we were still putting things forward to just push back just push back just to gain perspective those are the type of people that i need in my life i need somebody that i can push back against because i mm -hmm. may not have the words in my mind to ask you a question but i may have the words in my mind to make a statement you know right. what i'm saying i may be able to tell you what i think i know what i believe or what i've come to know thus far and if you can show me something else I'm malleable, man. Like you say, I'm not married to anything. Present, present me with something 
to my satisfaction and I'm ready to shift. I'm I'm ready to move. I'm not I'm not <laughs> setting stone. I'm not <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm ready to right. I'm ready to move, man. I sleep I sleep like a fireman, man. I'm re I'm ready to go. When it's when the when the bell rings, I'm ready to go, man. Just give me some information, present it to me in a way that satis uh, that satisfies me and I'm ready to shift, man. I'm ready to go. Right. Sure. Actually, absolutely. I, I'm I'm a Virgo son. You know, so that's a mutable sign. I'm ready to bend and move as the information is presented. But like he was saying, it got to a point where we had to stop having conversations around other people mm -hmm. because because they didn't know how close they was. They was about to get jumped because <laughs> they jumping on one side or the other. And we like, hold on. First of all, this is my brother. Now, you sit still. <laughs> right. <laughs> we family. Like, we, you know what I'm saying? This is our process. Right. right. Like, you sit back. But what I did realize, though, is that a lot of people don't have a person. And Baba said, shoosh, this might have been over a year ago, when Baba was talking the whole thing about having an accountability partner. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't, I don't got to get one of them. Like that, that was already established. Right. You know what I'm saying? But when I would see people react to how we do, I, I, I would see like, like, oh, you ain't got no person. Like you ain't got nobody to tell you that you tripping. Mm -hmm. But you know who supported it though? Our Luo. And, and our Chris. Our Chris was one of the first people who eventually came around and was like, <laughs> You know what, man? I see what y'all got, man. Y'all keep y'all keep doing what y'all doing. So shout out to Owl and Chris, man. Yeah, because yes. told us that. Yes, yeah. shout out to Owl and Chris. So we got a group chat with the three of us. And right. he had thrown something in and we just we just all go in. You know what I'm saying? But I love people like that. Um, because again, man, that's how we grow and move forward. So before we land this plane, it, you got a couple of things that come to you that come to mind where you like it's kind of whether it's taught or it's like a widely held belief or something like that where you just like that ain't it that you want to address so people can comment you know if they agree or disagree or if nothing more go back and kind of think about your way of approaching this thing um and then maybe come back and you know comment right um one of the main things is the thing about only the things in your Odu pertaining to you. I remember asking a question about the specific Odu. I think it's Irete Oyeku or either the Ibeji Oyeku Irete. I'm almost positive it's Irete Oyeku. And there's a story in there where a sacrifice is prescribed and the client is told not to kill anything unless you want to die yourself. Mm. The Odui Fasa is not to kill anything unless you want to die yourself. Now we know that we all die, but in this case, the client was being sought after by death. Mm. And the Babalawa was telling him that if you don't want to die yourself in this case, then go home and don't kill anything anymore. Now, at the very least, what I think about 
that particular Odu is that we as human beings don't have the authority to kill anything. Now, this is where it's going to kind of get sticky, right? Because, but I'm going to say it anyway, because this is, this is what I think. That we don't have the authority to kill anything. That it is only through divination and through the Orisha that we are given the authority to kill anything. Now, there are going to be some people to that, that would say, because this is the first thing that came to my mind, and this is me thinking to myself. This is me talking to myself after I thought that, was that, well, in the Bible, God told the Israelites to go and kill all these men, women, children, animals, mm -hmm. and all of these things. So what's the difference between those two things? Technically nothing. Technically nothing. When you believe that God is uh, commanding you or telling you to do something, and that's the thing that you do. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I can fault you for that unless it's something. I don't know. I don't know if I can uh, if I can all the way fault you for that. That's something that I'm working with. I'm going back and forth with uh, by myself. But those types of things, I believe that that is one of the ethical principles that underlies the philosophy of Ifa is that at the very least, even if you don't have the old Dewey Retail Yekul, at the very least, we don't have the authority to kill anything. Going further than that, that means that we should not be a part of a market that um, that lends to anything being killed without uh, sanction from Ifa or the Orisha. Mm -hmm. And this again goes back to the plant-based thing, not so much about the health that I know that you are more concerned with, but more about building up karma, building up karma and not killing anything. You know, Pythagoras, when it's the Rosicrucians taught that Pythagoras went to Egypt and learned at the feet of the priests of Egypt for about 20 years. And that when he, he was given permission to go back to his homeland and teach those principles, building his own school, in that school, he also taught at least vegetarianism on the basis that if we continue to kill those species below us, that we will continue to kill ourselves. So it seems that all of the traditions, the original traditions that came out of Africa all taught at least vegetarianism and veganism. You can see Pharaoh Agnaten in one of the seals uh, offering bread to the sun. Not not meat, but bread to the sun. So it's those type of things. The that that one thing that the ethics of one particular Odu doesn't apply to you if that's not your Odu. That's something that I disagree with. Yeah. What about you? What about well, you? What's one thing? What's one thing that you feel like that's either taught, not taught, whatever mm -hmm. that uh, you disagree with that people may find controversial. Well, just quick comment on what you just said. Um, I'm 50-50 with the health and being good stewards of the earth and mm -hmm. me being plant-based. I know you are. I only speak the health part is because I figured I would play on people's selfishness and, <laughs> and people's vanity right. to you know, be the reason why they, they go that route as opposed to it's causing the destruction of the planet. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the powers that be know that that's why you got all of these uh, mock meats and stuff coming out, right? Because they understand that this isn't sustainable because this was never meant to be what we what we do. The thing that that we do that's dogmatic that gets me is we talk about the Orishas like they're people. Mm. That's the thing where I'm like, you know, um, I wish we get a better understanding on that. You know, you hear people say things like, you know, I'm having this issue or I'm having this issue because Shango is mad at me. Shango does not have the capacity to be mad at you. The Orishas are force of nature. Now, what the issue is why you think Shango is mad at you is maybe because you lack the faith and courage to do what it is that you need to do. Maybe the issue is, is not Oshun is mad at you, is that you just, there's no, there's no fun, there's no joy, there's no sweetness in your life. You get that right, then you won't have certain issues. But Oshun, I mean Oshun, Oshun isn't, isn't a human, right? Doesn't have the ability to get mad at you. You know, these things are, for, like I said, forces of nature. They are energies. These same energies reside within you. That's why we have the ability to manipulate these things. Because it's something that is within us that we're manipulating, not something that's external to us. Mm-hmm. So when we understand it from that level, then we're able to actually work with these things better. Because if you're running around thinking that Ogun is mad at you, you're not going to get anywhere, mm. right? So, you know, that's one of the things that I wish that, um, or that I hope people study and people are able to apply those teachings and understand. If you agree or disagree, leave a comment. If you think, Ogun gets mad at people, then uh, make a comment, tell us that, and then tell us why. Right. Why do you believe that? And if you got an Odu, that's even better. But if not, just whatever you, whatever it is you have, whatever information you have, even if that's because my Luo told me so or my godmother told me so, then, then say that, you know. Um, again, this isn't about judging one another. This isn't about ridiculing one another. It's about steel sharpening steel and all of us getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I wanted to do, because you brought up the good position multiple times, I actually wanted to read um, that Odu mm-hmm. from I got the right Sacred Ephod Oracle. You oh, know, well, go ahead. I turned it, I turned it to this right before we started. See, man, see, but my Ori be on point sometimes, man. Sometimes, you know. It do. I, Your Ori always be on point. But, you know, you know, sometimes I don't listen. You know, sometimes I'm hard-headed and prison is full of people that say, man, if I'd have just followed my first mind. So sometimes mm-hmm. I just, I try to follow <laughs> my first mind. <laughs> but, yeah, something something told me to, uh, to turn to this. But if you got it, you can read it, though, unless you want me to read it. Go ahead. It says, let's do things with joy. Those who wish to go may go. Those who wish to return may return. Definitely human beings have been chosen to bring good fortune to the world. 
omniscience, the diviner of Arumala, divine Ephi for Arumala, who was told that human beings would come and ask him a particular question. He was advised to offer a sacrifice of fish and 200 grains of cornmeal. Arumala heeded the advice and performed the sacrifice. One day, all kinds of people, including robbers and other evildoers, gathered themselves together and went to Arumala to complain that they were tired of going back and forth to earth, Arumala. Please allow us to take refuge in heaven. Arumala said that they could not avoid going to and coming back from the earth until they had attained the good position that Oduduwa had ordained for every individual. Only then could they reside in heaven. They asked, what is the good position? Arumala asked them to confess their ignorance. They said, we are ignorant and would like to be given knowledge by Oludumare. Arumala said, the good position is the world, a world in which there will be full knowledge of all things, joy everywhere, life without anxiety or fear of enemies, attack from snakes or other dangerous animals, without fear of death, disease, litigation, losses, wizards, witches or eshu, danger of accidents from water and fire, without the fear of misery or poverty, because of your inner power, good character, and wisdom. When you refrain from stealing because of the hardship the owner suffers at the disgrace and the disgrace with which this behavior is treated in the presence of Oduduwa and other good spirits in heaven who are always friendly and often wish us well. These forces can turn their backs on you and allow you to return to the darkness of the world. Bear in mind that you will not receive any favors and whatever is stolen will be repaid. All evil acts have their repercussions. Individually, what will be needed to attain the good position is wisdom that can adequately govern the world as a whole. Sacrifice or cultivating the habit of doing good to the poor or those who need your help. Desire to increase the world's prosperity rather than destroying it. People will continue to go to heaven and return to earth after death until everyone attains the good position. There are a lot of good things in heaven that are still not available on earth and will be obtained in due course. When all the children of Oduduwa are gathered together, those selected to transfer the good things to the world are called Inion, or human beings. Mm. Now there's a lot in this verse. There's a, there's a whole lot in this verse uh, that we probably could do another episode on about uh, what it means what this means for us as a collective, what it means for us as an individual. Uh, does anyone cross the finish line first? Um, or do we all have to attain the good position before we can get off of the wheel of rebirth or reincarnation, metempsychosis, whatever you want to call it? Uh, there's a lot in this verse. But the main thing is to understand that there are ethics and morals that must be followed before we can attain the good position. This means that the Odu Ifa is an ethical manual showing us how we're supposed to behave and be while we are here to attain a good position. And I think that is a perfect place to stop. Think on that people. Man, we appreciate y'all as always uh, spending time with us man um hopefully you enjoy this episode i really enjoy these episodes where it's just the two of us I, I enjoy the other ones obviously but man we're just the two of us 
you know, we able to go in, you know, able to go back and forth. And um, man, hopefully y'all, y'all, y'all learned a lot, man. Those two old dudes speak a mouthful, you know, they talked about and uh, what Oshayun just read, pretty much how we've been ending the episodes this season, which is, man, life is for the living. We all came here to have an experience. No matter what that individual experience happened to be, man, we came here to live that. So live it to the fullest, have the experience, as always live life out loud and on purpose. Until next time, we love you. Peace. Peace.